Welcome to Word of God Broadcast with Pastor Opie Swells from Multitudes Church in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Our prayer is that your heart would be like moistened soil, ready to receive the seed from God's Holy Word. Now, today's message.
just at the mention of his name, Jesus. Struck wonder, Lord, just at the mention of your holy name, we should be yet filled with wonder. Yeah. 
I want to go to the sixth chapter of John's gospel. And we're going to actually begin at verse 4. And while you are turning or scrolling to that, I just want to encourage you to join us as we begin our January fast today, January the 1st. There's no time for me or me to allow people to talk about the miracles that have happened as a result of fasting. If you go to multitudeschurch.com or on the app, there is a, a link on the home page of both of those to take you to a, a fasting page that has everything from recipes to uh, some scripture there. And also at the bottom, there's some resources uh, that you can that you can get that will help you and encourage you during fasting. And, and remember this. Fasting is doing without food and doing that in a way that whether you do a whole fast, a Daniel fast, uh, it, 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 must, it must include the abstinence of food in that sense. I, I want to be clear on that. There's other things in our lives we sanctify ourselves from, but fasting is that. F-O-O-D. I've never found in the Bible where Jesus fasted his iPhone or posting Snapchats or Instagram. I've never, he never ever said he did that to his phone. So, God loves it when you honor his word. And I love fasting because this is the closest time, these 21 days or 40 days, depending on what you're doing. This is the closest this church is. And from a shepherd's standpoint, I can say that because I'm around people. And there's less drama. There's less, uh, there's less everything. It, because people's minds are on one thing. When can I eat again? No, people's minds are on drawing closer to the Lord. So make sure you do that. And, and also on the app, you can go to the Bible icon at the bottom. And you can touch the Bible icon and watch it come up and ask you, do you want to plan? Or you'll see the word plan. If you touch that, it'll take you through Bible reading in a year. We used to give out calendars. Now we have a digital one. So do that. So let me ask you for the second time today. Now are you ready for the word of God? I am too. John 6, verse 4. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes. And seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him or prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, 
there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. I want to start today by just telling you, I know you know this story probably very well, but Jesus cares enough to do something about what is going on in this world. Jesus cares enough to do something about what is going on in your life right now. He cares. First of all, we know that Jesus cares about the crowd. The crowd, I'm going to call the crowd sinners. We're kind of talking about the story, but we're talking current. Jesus cared about the crowd. He looked, and he saw the crowd. And he knew already that the crowd would be very hungry. But not only did Jesus care about the crowd... Jesus cares about the sinners. For God so loved the world last Sunday that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Jesus also cares about you just like he cared about Philip. He wants to teach you and he wants you to grow just like he wanted to teach Philip and those around him something, and he wanted them to grow. Because we've already read that Jesus, he knew what he would do, but he wanted to test or prove him. He was trying to teach. When you are taught something, what happens usually after that? At the end of the week in school, you take a what? Test. Jesus was wanting to test them. Jesus cares about the crowd. He cares about you. He will always, till the day you die, do everything he can to teach you and to grow you. But he also wants us to know in this story today that Jesus cares about the lad. The lad out of, we know that there were 5,000 people, but there were more than just men because we've already read as well that there's a lad there. So there were no doubt, men, women, families, entire families, that's how they traveled then. Especially when he was doing the miracles, they followed him in droves because they would bring their sick or dying children or lame parents. I don't mean lame parents. I mean bad legs, bad arms, couldn't walk. And so there were thousands of people there, and we know that Jesus, out of all those thousands of people, he wasn't insulted by, nor did he reject one lad that stepped forward. 
Jesus cares about sinners. Jesus cares about you. And Jesus cares about the ones or one of you that will and don't mind stepping forward. In fact, we know that Jesus shows no partiality. This proves it when he received from the child. And he said, if a child is willing to make their life and their talents available, he will use them all. And that's why we know that Jesus also taught us to suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus did a lot of caring. The crowd, he cares about you and I today. And he cares about the people that really, really want to just do whatever they can to be used by, by them. But there's another whole light on this story. In fact, there's two more, and I'm going to tell you one right now. And that is the fact that you can't deny that the lad has to care about Jesus. Because he could have just, ah, he's just a phony, he's a fake. All he's trying to do is draw a crowd, get a bunch of likes. But I want you to understand this, that the lad stepped forward because he must believe in what Jesus is saying. He must understand that because his lunchbox is full, there's thousands of people around him that have nothing to eat. And he's got to be moved somewhere in that scenario because everything that the boy had, and I mean everything that he had, he made available to Jesus. He cared about what Jesus was doing. He cared about what Jesus was about to do and wanted to do. And can I just tell you this? That Jesus cares about what needs to be done right now too. He cares about what needs to be done in the world and he cares about what needs to be done in your life. And so this little boy, he was moved enough to say, Jesus, first of all, here I am and here's everything that I have. And when he did that, the second thing we learn about the lad and his connection with Jesus is that Jesus, in fact, used everything that the lad surrendered to him. Everything. He took the five loaves and he took the two fish. He took it all. That's what was uh, found in his lunchbox. And Jesus didn't say, well, I'm just going to show you how cool or equipped I am. Just give me one of them fish and Hand me one of them loaves. Jesus used everything. I want to tell you, probably more than one time today, everything you are willing to give to Jesus in your life, Jesus will use it. He'll use, hallelujah, he'll use your scars, he'll use your successes, he'll use your failures, he'll use your knowledge, he'll use your health, he'll use, he'll use your brokenness, he'll use your money, he'll use your willingness, Everything that you surrender to Jesus, Jesus says, if you give it all, I'll use it all. That's what he did. And then what the lad found out, the disciples found out, and the thousands upon thousands of people found out, was that a completely empty lunchbox 
can affect thousands of people. Everything, I'm saying this, everything that you will surrender, every part of you that you will not hold back, whether it's because you just like it and you're not ready to give that part of your life up, or whether it's because you think it's too little or it's way too big in the eyes of God, if you will give everything to Jesus Christ, starting right now, I can tell you for a fact based on countless biblical facts here that not only will he use that, but he will cause thousands of people to be affected by that. I can prove it to this church. You affected thousands of lives with hundreds of shoeboxes in the past 30 days. Now, didn't you do that? Because they went all over the world. And you know what? I don't know how much uh, mission videos you've watched or you've studied any of that. But in those villages, they just, they're not greedy and stingy. They just don't get one toy and play with it. There might be 500 children that play with one child's toy. But I can tell you more than a toy. I know there will be tens of thousands of people that might be touched by the track, by the gospel message was in one or ten or twenty boxes that you sent. So everything, everything that you surrender to God, God can take it and touch thousands of people with it if you'll just let go of it. So I got a question. And that is, what's still left in your lunchbox? Anything at all in your lunchbox. And now that second thing. While you're thinking about that, let's talk about that second thing. I love all of this, but I'm going to tell you, I have been liberated in the past 24 hours by this nugget that the Holy Ghost revealed to me yesterday. And that's exactly how it happened. I've known about this message, but it was yesterday that the Lord showed me something that I've been missing for 56 years. Count them, 56 years up until yesterday. But God's been working on it. Let, let me tell you what it is. Jesus cares about everybody and everything. and We know what the lad did. But I can tell you this, and this is probably the heart, this, this very well could be harder than you even completely emptying out. I don't want to say uh, nutty finger bars or peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't want to say any of that right now. But even the hard stuff that you, you, you let go of this fast, whatever it is in your life, if it's a hang-up, if it's a habit you have, what I'm about to tell you out of this story may be harder than, than that. And so, Jesus cares about everything we've talked about, but Jesus cares about order and organization. Are you ready? That's a bad word for me, especially that second one. But that, that first one was equal. Now, this, this is the message I'm preaching to you right now. All of that was kind of an introduction, but I want you to listen because what we're all about to look at and listen to and hear and what the Spirit's going to do with our hearts 
is going to transform your personal life and it's going to transform the ministry of this church. And I, didn't, I, I need to say, I didn't set out to try and come up with a positive, motivational message. That, that is not, but, but I can tell you I'm motivated by what God says. And that is what I hope happens today. So, there has to come a time, I don't want anybody to raise your hands, so that's why I'm not going to ask you, do you know what it means to live in chaos or be around chaos? And I want to start by telling you that there has to come a time in your life, doesn't matter if you're a parent or you're a student, you're a caregiver, it doesn't matter what age you are. There's got to come a moment when you say that I'm sick and tired of chaos and I do what Jesus told, and I'm getting into the order, Jesus told the disciples to do first. There has to come a time when you get tired of the chaos and you tell everybody and everything, sit down. Sit down. Because you're about to see a pattern here that led to a mighty, magnificent miracle. There's not a single person here or online that would not stand up, raise your hands, do a somersault, a cartwheel, whatever your body would let you do. I said, God is about to give you a miracle. Everybody, you, because you got in your mind what you want that miracle to be. But there's got to come a time, folks, before the miracle shows up, that the order has to be in place. We're going to look at this. We will not see the miraculous. We won't see the extraordinary until everybody in here understands that we've got to establish order. You've got to establish order in your life. We've got to establish order in this church. We've got to. There's got to be order if we want to see what we can't do, what God can do. You see, that little boy could have fed about three people probably. But the miraculous is what Jesus could do. Amen? So there was an order in place there. And there's... Well, let me ask you this. Can you imagine, and this is how I would have handled things up until yesterday... I would have got that fish. I would have got them loaves of bread. I would have brought them in here. I would have seen possibly 10 to 20,000 people around me. Oh, they're all hungry. And this is what I would have done. Oh, God, do something. And then I would have just start throwing out food. Not to the disciples. Not to the people around me. I would just start myself, myself, because I thrive on chaos. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy... The enemy of order is chaos. And I would have just tried my best. Here's some food. You eat, you eat, you eat, you eat, you eat, you eat. And then go home and talk about how worn out I am and complain about how I am. And then the whole time the disciples sitting there and saying, well, we'd help if he had asked. That's bad. But the other half is if, if, if you knew he needed help and you just sit there and watch him do it and kill himself. That's called chaos, folks. So, order 
And when I'm going to talk about order for a second. Order, when I'm talking about order today, I'm talking about instruction. I'm talking about structure. I'm talking about discipline. I'm also talking about delegation. So when I say order, does everybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a system, a process. Those folks of you that work in plants or industries or you've been in strategic meeting where they show you where point A starts and how you end up at Z, you know about this. You, in fact, what you do does not happen unless that's in place. It's called protocol. It's called a procedure. It's called order. And so all throughout the Bible, we see God's order in place. I'll, I'll go to the, New, the Old Testament. You know, Naaman, he was kind of well off and he had some authority. But he was slapped full of leprosy. When he went to the prophet, the prophet said, being led by God, go down and wash in the Jordan seven times. What did he do? He pitched a fit. He hollered. He screamed. And he, uh, his pride puffed up. Why can't I go to these nice waters and wash and all that? And all he had to do, and somebody finally talked some order sense. Hey, if he had asked you a hard thing, you would have done it. This is easy. And so the order was, go to the Jordan, wash seven times. When he washed the seven times, if you're familiar with the old tally song, he come up a shouting, I see my change. The prophet could have touched him, spoke, and said, you are healed, leprosy be gone. But there was an order in place. Go and wash seven times. Also in Jesus talking, there was more lepers. Let's let's talk about these lepers. There were ten lepers, and what did Jesus do? Y'all remember he said, go to the priest. Now, we're talking about Jesus. If you're wishy-washy on the prophet being able to do it, you know Jesus could. Jesus said, lepers, go to the priest and show yourselves. And the Bible says that's what they did. They went and they showed themselves and they were all cleansed of their leprosy and one came back and gave thanks, which is a whole different message. But Jesus could have said, your faith makes you whole. But he didn't do that. What did he do? He gave them an order. In order, you leave me, do what I say, show yourself to the priest. And then the miracle took place. Everybody in here can completely empty your lunchbox. And you can give yourself to God. You can fast. You can not miss a week of tithing. You can even... uh, Many of you know, you, you can be a part of our meeting that we're having today for the, uh, the children at 530. You can do, say, I'm serving, I'm doing all of this. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't have order in place first, you won't be able to handle the miracle, and God knows that, church. How many of you heard or watched that show or shows on TV, and I don't know the name of the show, uh, 
but it, it's a show that's been made up of people over the years, and they're able to make a series out of it that won the lottery. Y'all know where I'm going, don't you? And they ain't got knitting now. Blew, blew it all. It's gone. They don't have nothing to show for it. They've made series about people that's won millions of dollars. And now it's gone. You know why? Because they didn't have any type of financial structure or order in their lives. They couldn't handle it. I remember, I think it, I think it was early part of last year. I think it was. Now i got to keep up with the years. When Tyler, my son-in-law, uh, wanted to go get his pilot's license, and he did. But on the, I remember asking him this on the first day when he went to uh, class or to, to school. I said, when, when are you going to get, when are you going to be able to go up in there? He said, oh, we went up the day. You go up the first day. I said, what? He said, oh, yeah. But that was with an instructor. Now, what the, that instructor would not have done is on his first day, he would not have said, okay, uh, there's the plane, get in it, and let's just see what you can do. Let's give it a practice run. You know why? Because, now there might have been some remote chance, some remote chance he could have, he wouldn't have known, he wouldn't have knew the protocol, how to talk and all that, all the signal. He, he hadn't learned all that. But what my point is about that is that if he would have turned him loose in that airplane, he would have not only killed himself probably, he would have completely destroyed a plane, he would have probably tore up some land somewhere around it and possibly killed other people's lives. What am I saying? I'm telling you that you cannot receive a miracle or a blessing. You can't get just these gobs of things that we want or we want to see God do through our life if you don't have something in place because you too will blow it all or you will crash and burn and I will too. And when you say, well... I just don't have time for that. What you settle for and what I've settled for, and by the way, I'm doing a lot of confessing today, a lot of confessing. What I've settled for, I've settled for a best friend called chaos. Now, I'll ask you, can anybody relate to what I'm saying yet? Well, Maybe all of the rest of you should have just helped me out as I've struggled 25 years that's got it nipped and whipped. God bless your little heart. You are wonderful. But seriously, folks, you, you, you can have a clean lunchbox and you can say, you can be the lad. I'm willing, Lord. I'm stepping forward. You can say, God, I'm giving you everything about me. But if you don't have the third part of that cord in place, if, if, if you don't have order in your life, if you don't have discipline, if you don't have a way, 
You don't make waves. I, I, and, and I, you are not going to receive because God can't give it to you. And this thing that I'm talking about and I'm trying to get to it, this is something that is a hurdle for me. It's a hurdle for this church. It's a hurdle for other people in here that, that want to do ministry, doing ministry, but we, we, we have to have, to see God do the greater thing, we have got to have empty lunchbox people that see what God wants to do, that believe that God's got 30,000 people he can release here, that God can do everything he wants to do. And we've got to get a mind, we've got to get an attitude, we've got to get a spirit, and we've got to get a discipline about us where we are preparing for that. Now, I know God's put this in place. This church has got to get over this starting today. And I thought about a couple of things. The first thing I thought about is last week, I have not thought about that devotion that Angie wanted to share on Christmas Day. She wouldn't read it. I tell her to read it, but I thought about that, how just sometimes the mind needs a rest. I, God brought that before me. I haven't thought about it since last week when it was read. And I said, God, you know what? That's got a lot of bearing on what you were telling me right now about tomorrow, about sometimes you've just got to give your mind a rest, but you've got to, you've got to get rid of chaos and you've got to get order in place. And then I thought about, I think Mickey might remember, I think it was like, because it's been two years now, January when we met over there at the, where the coffee shop is now. And we looked up in the room, um, in the the student center, folks. If you, I'm not talking about the cafeteria. I'm talking about the student ministry center. We looked up in the room and see if, if we tore out the ceiling, we could um, make it higher. And and then you know the rest the rest is history. And and now it's a beautiful facility. Inside, I had somebody bragging last week, man, this place is beautiful. The inside and outside, talking about the turf and all that. And then all that just continued over to the children's building, and now we just, we're, we're proud of everything. But what God was reminding me yesterday, along with that devotion, was God started preparing the church two years ago, facility-wise. He got Noah, got the ark ready. We got the boat ready. And now we're proud. It's beautiful. You know, if you went during the bazaar, you, you just saw. Did I say it right today? Did I say it right? Thank you. Hallelujah. I was going to quit talking like that in New Year. And it's just beautiful, man. And, and then, you know, we see what God put in place way before now. But God has shown me, and I, I, I really, really, I'm not, I'm not able to preach this today like I feel it. So I just pray that y'all are listening and you receive it because everything I'm telling you about the church, it applies to you in your personal life. This is not just a pattern for the church. This is a pattern for your life and my life. You got more chaos than just in the church. You got chaos in your life. Amen. I do. I do. So, God prepared us 
and allowed us to prepare. But now God has called and shown, Opie, I've got the miracle. This, by the way, in the name of Jesus, on the authority of the Holy Ghost, this is that year, by the way, 2023. We've talked about big things, great. 2023 is that year. Wait, if we're here uh, December the 31st, wait and see. But this is that year. And it's starting with this right here from Jesus Christ himself. So God's prepared the places. Now God's preparing the people and he's doing it with order. And so I want to show you this picture in this scripture, the pattern that I'm talking about. First of all, Jesus secured order first. There's a lad here with five loaves and two fish. But what are they among, uh, among so many? Then Jesus said, he didn't say, give, give it, go, go and give it to me. Let me see what I can work up, what I can do. I want you to read. Derek, is there any way that uh, you can start with verse 10 and help me out? Because I want people to see that too, because I might want to refer to that. But what was the first thing Jesus said when he knew there was a lad that stepped forward that gave everything? What was the first thing he did? He didn't touch the food. He didn't pray over the food. What did he say, church? Make them do what? He established order. Because he knew that people were hungry. You're talking about another Black Friday scene on steroids? Can you imagine, church? No, you can't. I can't. We can't imagine. So what did Jesus do? Make them sit down. And he did it every time he fed large groups of people. One time, the Bible says, make them sit down. Does anybody quick pop quiz? In groups of what? How many? Fifty. Make them. So he was specific on his order. Make them sit down in groups of fifty. So Jesus secured order first. Then the next thing, Jesus willingly received what was offered. Verse 11. After Jesus took the loaves, he didn't turn them away. He won't turn away what you'll give to him. Jesus took the loaves. And then the third thing says, then Jesus thanked the Father. So what you will give to him, he will in no wise cast you out or refuse, but he will take it. And he'll say, Father, look what your children have just given me to, to perform miracles with. So Jesus made them sit down. I'm telling you the pattern. He made them sit down. This is the order. Sit down. Give me this. Father, will you take it and will you bless it? The fourth thing he did was Jesus gave it to the disciples. Critical point right now. It's a thin line, and I want you to read between it. Jesus did this. After Jesus took it, blessed it, he gave it to the disciples. He didn't do nothing else. What happened next? The disciples, number five. You don't have it, but if you want to number these, you can. 
the disciples gave it to the crowd. God help me to finish. As much as they wanted. The miracle was there when the order was in place. The miracle was there when the order was in place. As much as you want. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. He will give you more than you. He's an overflowing fountain we sing about a lot of times. He will give you more than enough. My grace is sufficient for you. But it came after order. We like to jump straight to the miracle. We like to drop, jump straight to the money, to the materialism we need, to the healing. We, we want to jump, but we don't want the order. We will live and die chaotic, frazzled, doing it all ourselves, but we will not do order. And so we live in a world chock full of miracle-less Churches, amen, church. You don't see miracles. People try to pretty up things and call them miracles, but I'm talking about undeniable. 10,000 people eating out of a Scooby-Doo lunchbox miracle. You don't see those kind of miracles, and neither does other people, at least in this country. Because we don't have order. We don't have the capacity if the miracle was revealed or released to us, we don't have the capacity, church. We'll crash the plane. We'll blow the money. We don't have, we're not equipped for it. Oh, I know what I do. I do too. You would crash and burn. I know what I do. So, number six is Jesus still required order at the end of the miracle I'll go to verse 12 so when they were filled he said to his disciples gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost that's right God don't want to waste a blessing God don't want to waste a miracle so Jesus never, ever, oh, but Jesus, oh, he does all the miracles. Oh, he could do anything, walk on water. Well, I'll tell you this. He never, ever, never worked outside of order. In fact, hallelujah, Holy Ghost, he told me and he told you to do everything decently and in what, church? In order, not in chaos, not off the cuff. Not whether people help out or not. He said, do everything in order. And I will make it explode. So here we go. Jesus established order before the miracle. Jesus maintained order during the miracle. And Jesus concluded the miracle with order. Gather all the fragments that nothing remain. Has God spoke to anybody yet today? You do this with your money. You do this with your devotion life. You do this with your prayer life. You do this with the days God's allotted to you. You maintain order. I had a, I got to be, I don't want somebody to get this that's not supposed to get this, but I had 
someone to tell me about a relative of theirs just in the past 48 hours that every day of their life they got up, they live alone, got up, swept and mopped their house, and then got on the treadmill. They're in their 70s, I think. And then got on the treadmill for an hour. Every day. And their reason was, I still like to treat it like a job. That, and that was a Holy Ghost moment that I found out yesterday when God reminded me. That's what order is, you see. Order is, I treat this because I'm going to get... I'm going to get that miracle that he's got God's hands not. Church, this is what I want to tell you. i got to pray. But his hands not slack concerning what you need or what you desire or the breakthrough or the door or the answer or the miracle. God's not through with miracles. But he's got to have people that understand that he does everything in a way that nothing will be wasted. Nothing will be laying on the ground. He does everything decently in order because he too wants to glorify the Father, you see. So I want to ask you today, would you stand with me? And if I say this, I'm so torn about saying this, folks. Because I'm not trying to make it a, a, a me story or a, a nickier people that work here or a volunteer in other areas of sort. But the truth is, I just want to tell you this, that a lot of times we assume so many responsibilities because we do have the hunger. You have a hunger. I know you do. But what I'm saying is, and I'll just keep it at me because I, I, don't, I don't want nobody to get uncomfortable. But I, I want you to know, I'll come in and I'll... How many, oh, la, 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 and I'm frazzled. You try to talk to me on Sunday morning, and I'm frazzled. I hear you and see your lips moving, but my mind's on everything else, from equipment to preaching to going to the bathroom before church, children's church. I'm, my mind's on a thousand things. That's chaos. That's not ministry. And so this is what is changing in my life, and it's going to kill me. This part of... This part of my life, it ain't the lunch, but it's not fasting, it's not offering, it's not serving. This is the part because I'm jacked up when it comes to this. I'm not a creature of habit. I don't do discipline and structure well. I fix it before game time. That's how I do things. But that ain't how Jesus brings miracles, you see. And I need a miracle this year in this church. I need a miracle in Scotland County. I need a miracle in your marriages. I need a miracle in your children. I need a miracle in every school in this county. I need a miracle in every hospital and rest home. I need a miracle where you work at. And I need it now. So this is what I've told the Lord. I don't care. How bad it's killing me, and I know I can do it. I know I can do it. But if we don't have enough people to do four weeks upstairs, we don't have enough workers, then we're not doing it. 
If we don't have enough people to run cameras, we don't stream. If we don't have enough people to click computers, we don't watch slides in here. If we don't have enough people to operate on Wednesday night, then we all just going to sit in that cafeteria and you're going to listen to me monotone. We're not doing, I am not doing chaos the remainder of my life at the expense of miracles. I'm not going to do it in my personal life. I'm not going to do it. I feel like everybody in here is ticked off at me. Please tell me I'm wrong. Oh, Lord. But church, the, the, the Lord's about to come back. We got to get it done, man. And we need God. We need the miracle that comes from God. Before we end our broadcast today, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Not do you go to church, not do you have a cross in your home, but do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, meaning that you realize you were born into a world of sin and you are a sinner and you violated the law of God and you've stored up wrath. And for that, you feel bad and so bad that you've asked him to forgive you and you've changed your way of living to reflect following Christ. If you haven't done that, that's exactly what this entire broadcast is about. It's not about a bunch of people or a bunch of money or attending our church, but it's asking you this question, are you ready to meet the Lord face to face and give an account for your life. If you have not done that, or you're not sure, we need to pray right now. And the prayer doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer or an intelligent prayer, but it has to be a prayer of faith from your heart. And you have to pray. You can pray in your own words, but you must realize during the course of your prayer that without the forgiveness of God Almighty, that there is no way you'll have peace with God now or for all eternity. So I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every person listening right now. Lord, that they would understand that it's not your will for any to perish, but for all to have everlasting life. And I'm asking you, oh God, to help my friends right now that may be praying to know that you are waiting. You stand at the door. You said in Revelation 3, you stand at the door and knock. You're waiting on us, Lord. And help them to know, Lord, when they call on you, that they can be saved and they will be saved when they pray from their heart and they make up their mind that they're going to follow you. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, you are now a child of the Most High God. Not only do you have an advocate, not only do you have a friend right now that sticks closer than a brother, but you've got the hope of heaven one day. And for that, I am so glad. If you prayed that prayer today, why don't you just take just a moment, if you don't mind, and uh, reach out to us at multitudeschurch.com forward slash uh, saved, S-A-V-E-D. Or you can send us a text that just says saved to 910-400-1199. That's the word saved to 910-411199. Listen, we'd like to help you out on your journey. 
and there's no strings attached. We just want you to know we're trying to finish our course and fulfill the Great Commission, and you're part of that. So let us pray for you, and if you have any kind of prayer requests, why don't you uh, share that with us? Uh, we will not reach back out to you and ask you for anything, uh, but you're welcome to email us and let us know what your prayer need is right now. And that's just a simple email uh, to prayer at multitudeschurch.com. Thank you again for being a part of our broadcast, and we look forward to seeing you in heaven one day for all eternity. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church or to watch entire services, please visit us online at multitudeschurch.com. You can also find us on most social media platforms.